Hey everybody, this is Bob Z, the pastor of Joy Christian Fellowship. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast. I hope it's a word that will encourage you today. Let's remember in these challenging times we're living that God is still in control and that his love for us endures forever. Amen. God bless. Through it all, through it all, our eyes are on you. You know, I believe that's what the Lord has been trying to teach us over the last two years. He's telling us, keep your eyes on me. Not the White House, not the world news. There's no man, no woman could fix the mess we're in. As a nation that has turned its back on living by biblical principles, we've been reaping what we've been sowing as a nation. And God's calling us back to him. So through it all, Let's put our eyes back on him so we, too, can say, it is well. It is well with my soul, too, and mean it. Amen. Lord, thank you for worship. Thank you for the gift that we can come in here and turn this public school auditorium into a sanctuary of praise. Thank you for that privilege. And we believe you've placed us here strategically as we pray on this campus and as we worship on this campus, that it's having an impact on the teenagers and the teachers and everybody that drives through those gates. As Bobby and I always say, we enter your gates with thanksgiving. We enter your courts with praise. So we thank you for the, the freedom we have here, and we're, we don't ever want to take that for granted. So now open up your word to us and teach us. You're the teacher, Holy Spirit. Come and teach us, make your word come alive, in Christ's name, amen, and amen. Well, for several weeks now, we have been talking about prayer and waiting, right? Waiting on God to to answer our prayers, trying to be patient when the answer doesn't come when we want it to, or when it doesn't come how we want it to, and that's hard because by nature we're pretty impatient people. And I believe it's because we live in such a high-speed, instant-results culture, and we've been conditioned for years to not have to wait, at least not have to wait for long. Am I right? When you go to the bank, you're looking for that shortest line, right? Oh, there's four cars in that line. I'm going in this one, or I might as well just go on inside. Looking for the shortest line uh, at Walmart. I guess they only have two open now out of 35, so um, that's why we do the Walmart pickup. But anyway... Anyway, I remember hearing this old traditional Hebrew story about Father Abraham that really gives us a good illustration of how we really need to be more patient than we are. And the the story is that one night Abraham was sitting outside of his tent, just looking up at the stars, talking to the Lord, and and he looks in the distance and he sees a, a person. He couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman or what it was, but a person uh, with this big knapsack-type pack on over the shoulder is, like, stumbling and struggling to come closer and closer. And then he looks and he realizes, this, is, uh, this guy's older than me, so he runs out to help the man. And he said, hey, friend, let me, let me take that off your shoulders. And I guess it's kind of traditional, customary, uh, for people to invite travelers in, give them a, a night, a uh, place to stay, feed them. So he invites this guy into his tent, gets some blankets for him to sit on, gives him some some fresh water and makes a meal for him, even washes the guy's feet. The guy says, boy, this is is nice. 
And he just starts eating the food. And Abraham says, wait, 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 wait. Aren't you going to thank the Lord for the food? Aren't you going to say a blessing before you eat? He goes, I don't worship the Lord. I just worship the sun. And he starts eating again. And Abraham's going, grabs the guy by the shoulders, throws him out of the tent, takes his knapsack, throws that at him. And he said, how dare you come into my tent and worship the sun instead of the Lord? And I guess the guy had a few choice words for Abraham's mom, and he took off. So Abraham, sitting down there thinking, the nerve of some people. And then he hears the Lord say, hey, Abraham. He goes, yes, Lord. He goes, what did you just do? He said, didn't you hear him? He doesn't worship you. He worships the sun. I can't put up with that. And he says, you know, Abraham, I've been putting up with him for 75 years. You couldn't put up with him for one night. You know, it kind of, there's a lesson to be learned there, how impatient we can be. Um, and I think there's a lesson that we can learn to be more patient with people who, who may not believe the same way we believe, right? It's easy to get along with people who believe the same thing you believe, but when they don't, that's, that's a test. And, and I think there's a lesson to be learned just being more patient. And when we're waiting on God, because he's so patient with us. All right, so we're, we're still talking about prayer this morning, and I hope these messages have been helpful for your prayer life or encouraging or challenging something. But today we're going to look at intercessory prayer. It's that kind of prayer where we stand in a gap for others. In fact, that's the title of this morning's message, Standing in the Gap. And there's a verse in Ezekiel 22, some John 17 verses we're going to look at, Romans 8, Romans 10, and Hebrews 7. So Lord, there's a lot of scripture here we're looking at this morning, but it's all God-breathed. It's all useful for teaching and correcting and rebuking and, and, and just teach us because we need to hear from heaven this morning. We need some fresh manna. Open up those ovens in heaven and, and, and give us some fresh baked manna this morning because yesterday's won't do. We need to hear from heaven this morning. So give us ears to hear what it is you're speaking to us, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, standing in the gap. You know, the Bible tells us in John's Gospel that the Father is looking for true worshipers. That's in John 4, verse 23. But he's also looking for true intercessors. He's looking for people who, who are willing to take their focus off themselves and off of their needs and pray for the needs of others. You know, that's what Bobby and I do after dinner and after the local news. We stopped watching the world news two years ago. Instead, we, we watch a guy named Dutch Sheets. Maybe you know who Dutch Sheets is. And he has these videos called Give Him 15. They're 15 minutes long. They're on YouTube. I highly recommend you check them out. Uh, we'll, we'll eat. We'll watch that 15-minute video, and it just prepares us to pray and to pray for others um, before we're done. And I got thinking about our family here at Joy, the family of Joy, and how much intercessory prayer we participate in, if you stop to think about it. I mean, just yesterday, uh, we have the men's breakfast, and like we always do, we go around the table, ask who's got, who needs a prayer, uh, and it's generally for somebody besides themselves, and sometimes it is for us. So, so we pray for each other. We pray for other people. Now, every Sunday here, we, we pray for a celebrity of the month. It changes from month to month. Sometimes it's a person. Sometimes it's a group of people, like this month. It's the Cleveland Police Department. 
It's, it's, it's whoever the Lord is leading us to pray for. Whoever it is, where you are to stand in the gap between them and God. And, you know, every August, we collect new shoes and socks for Shoes for Orphan Souls. We pray over the shoes. We, we pray for the children who will be getting them somewhere around the world. Every November, the first Sunday of November, is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And we dedicate our entire service after our worship time to praying for those top ten nations where it's really, really hard to live as a Christian and uh, where there's a lot of strong persecution. Uh, every month we have our first fruits fast, the first Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of every month to fast, to pray, to worship. Remember, that, that begins tomorrow, tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Always open up the front here for ministry, for any intercessory prayer before we leave. Sometimes the Lord will, will give someone a word for someone during worship, something to pray about. There's all kinds of intercessory prayer taking place here. So see, some of you are intercessors and you didn't even know it. But we got to be careful when we are praying for others that we're not just praying for what we want to see happen in our lives. And I speak from my own experience. I'll catch myself in the middle of prayer. I'm thinking, man, that's what you want. But what does God want for that person? And oftentimes we'll pray, open their eyes, Lord. Reveal their deception. Show them their deception, Lord. And sometimes if we're, if we're not careful, our prayers become holy finger-pointing. Or they can become accusations and not really be prayers for the solution. Are you with me? It, it may make us feel like we are answering that need that says we need to pray for that guy. We need to pray for that girl. We need to pray for them. But sometimes it, it doesn't really do much to fix the problem. And when we're participating in intercessory prayer for someone or something, when we are standing in the gap, we're accepting an invitation from the Holy Spirit to be part of this equation where our prayer takes the problem on as if it was our own problem. Okay? Intercession is like we are standing in that person's shoes whom we're praying for. And whether we're praying for a physical need or a financial need, a, a relational need, an emotional need, a marriage need, a, a child-raising need, whatever it is, a work issue, a school issue, whatever we're interceding for, we pray for that person's issue as if it was our issue. But you know, it's hard to know how to effectively pray for someone if we're not willing to listen to them. You know, to really know how they're feeling, what's really going on in their heart. It's hard to know how someone's feeling if there's no interaction with that person. And that's true whether it's a coworker, a classmate, a church member. That's true even if it's our spouse or one of our kids. It's hard to know how they're really feeling if we're not engaged with them. Are they angry? Are they afraid? Are they worried? Are they sad? Are they confused? Are they lonely? How well do we really listen to people so we can be effective intercessors? You know, sometimes all we need to do is listen. Pray with them. Give them a hug. They don't always need a sermon. Sometimes they do, but they don't always need a sermon. They don't always need advice. 
Sometimes it's just somebody listen to them. They don't expect you to have the answer, but just, just be that ear that they can just unload on. So just listen well. Pray for them. Give them a hug. You know, God still needs us to be intercessors for him. God still needs us to stand in the gap for others. There was a time in the Old Testament God was revealing to the prophet Ezekiel how he was planning to bring judgment against the Jewish people for their outright rebellion and blatant sin against God's commands for righteous living. You name the sin, Israel was guilty of doing it. Kind of like our society today. And, and we know that God doesn't just wink at unrepented sin. He doesn't look the other way. He can't. He's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of compassion and kindness and forgiveness. And he's a God of lots and lots of grace. And I'm so thankful for that. But he's also a God of holiness. He, he's a God of righteousness. He's a God of purity and justice. So his character, his nature, won't allow him to just look the other way and ignore unrepented sin. But in speaking with the prophet Ezekiel, God was hoping that there'd be somebody would stand up and intercede for the rebellious Israelites so he wouldn't have to judge them. Remember, God's desire is that none would perish. None would perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's the word in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. So let's look at what the Lord said to Ezekiel in chapter 22, verse 30. He's telling Ezekiel, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. And here's the really sad part. But I found no one. But I found no one. God looked for someone. God searched for someone to stand in that gap between him and those rebellious Israelites, for someone to be that intercessor, but he found no one. Not even one. That is so sad. And the wall of righteousness that God is speaking of here, it's not a physical wall, or it's not a wall made up of rocks and stones or bricks. It's a wall made up of faithful people. People who are willing to stand up and be united together to resist the evil in the land. And the church needs to rise up and stand up and be united to resist the evil in our land. You know, the religious rituals and the messages and the teachings based on people's opinions instead of on, on God's word, that kind of stuff was very unsuccessful in repairing this wall of righteousness God's talking about. The Israelites needed a total spiritual reconstruction, not just a feeble attempt to cover up the real problems. And you know what? We are, we're just as guilty as the Israelites when we give the outward appearance of really loving God in here, but then we don't live according to his principles out there. But when we are willing and we've determined we're going to live according to his word instead of the ways of the world, that's when he can repair and restore and renew our lives. So then we can join others and we can stand in the gap and we can make a difference in our own spheres of influence for God's kingdom and for his glory. Now, one of the greatest intercessors in the Bible is the Apostle Paul, formerly the terrorist known as Saul of Tarsus until his Damascus Road encounter with Jesus. 
And here's just a few examples of how Paul stood in the gap by praying for others instead of himself. In Romans 10, verse 1, Paul wrote, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. That was his prayer. Standing in the gap for the Israelites. In Ephesians 1, verse 16, Paul wrote, I have not stopped thanking God for you. And listen to this. I pray for you constantly. And in Philippians 1, verse 4, Paul wrote, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. I love that one. Paul was constantly interceding for others. And most of the time, he was writing these prayers and praying from a, a prison cell. These are from his prison letters. But Jesus will always, always, always be our greatest example to follow when it comes to our prayer life. And here's just a, two examples from the scriptures. Look at Mark's gospel, chapter 1, verse 35. Before daybreak, the next morning, see, the sun wasn't even up yet. One translation reads, the next morning, Jesus awoke long before daybreak. All right, long before daybreak. Now, my wife is up before the sun praying. But why was Jesus doing this? What, what did he get up that early to do? It says he got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. He got up way, way early to pray. I got to tell you, this verse really convicted me because there's times I'll set my alarm for two or three in the morning. And I wish I could tell you it was so, so I could pray long before daybreak. But it wasn't. I would get up that early hoping to see some shooting stars in the sky. I, I love sea meteor showers. And whenever I see there's supposed to be a meteor shower, I'll say, okay, I'm going to try. It's always got to be 3 in the morning for some reason. And I ask Bobby, I say, hey, uh, do you want me to wake you up? And she looks at me and just says, you're kidding me, right? No, don't, don't wake me up. You go out there and enjoy yourself, but I'll stay in here. So, so while I'm outside, and we live out where there's no street lights or anything, so when the lights in the house are off, it's, it's really dark. I really can't see my hand in front of my face. And while I'm out there by myself without my wife, three in the morning, and I'm thinking, I might as well pray while I'm out here. <laughs> you know. And I was praying, but that wasn't the reason I got up so early. It was kind of an afterthought. And some people, including myself, can drive two to three hours to Atlanta or go to Nashville and stand in line for another hour waiting for the doors to open at a concert but still be late for church. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how that works. Although there have been a few Sundays when Dan and Wendy, Wendy were sitting in a parking lot waiting for Bobby and me to get here so we can open up. They, they beat us inside. Now they leave the gates open so they can at least come into the parking lot. But it's about priorities. It's about what we think is important because we'll generally find the time to do the things we really want to do. Have you noticed that? So it's about priorities. And it was important for Jesus to get up early, to get away from the noise, get away from the distractions, or, or do it before the distractions started so he could pray. And if it was that important to Jesus, shouldn't it be that important to us too? The answer is yes, Bob. <laughs> okay. Another example of Jesus' commitment to prayer is in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 12. It says, One day soon afterward, now, this was right after Jesus healed a man's hand on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees got all cranked up about it. But it says, one day soon afterward, after that happened, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, 
And don't miss this part. And he prayed to God all night. All night. He prayed to God all night. This is when he was choosing the 12 of his disciples to be those 12 apostles. That was an important decision he had to make. It's such a great model to follow whenever we have important decisions to make. Let's make sure those decisions have been bathed in prayer before we just react and before we just make a decision without thinking or praying. Because we could do something that may have life-changing results that we may regret later. If Jesus needed to set time apart to pray to the Father, how much greater is our need to pray to the Father? This isn't on the screen, but later in Luke's Gospel in chapter 22, Jesus is going to intercede for his buddy, Simon Peter. And he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you like wheat. And he says, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Can you imagine having Jesus say, I've prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And I thought, maybe we need to pray for some people so their faith doesn't fail either, right? But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. In the Gospel of John, the entire 17th chapter of John is Jesus' prayer. And he does pray for himself, but then he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for all future believers. That would include us. Right after Jesus told his disciples, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's at the very end of chapter 16. And then in the very beginning of, of John chapter 17, verse 1, it says this. After Jesus had said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. So he does pray for himself in verse 1. And then he prays for his disciples in verse 9. Look at verse 9. Jesus prays, My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. And then in verse 20 and 21, Jesus is praying for us. And he's praying for all the future believers. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, the guys who are with him, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. And then he prays for unity. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. See, Jesus is praying for five things here. First, he prays for himself. Father, the hours come, glorify your son. Second, he prays for his disciples. My prayer is for those you have given me. Third, he prays for us and all future believers. So I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all, not some, not most, for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Fourth, he prays for us to have unity, that we would be one, all of us would be one as him and the Father one. And then fifth, he prays that the world would believe, that the world would believe that God sent him. And it was shortly after this prayer that Jesus was arrested in the garden. And this would be the last night of our Lord's earthly life. 
But did you know he's still praying for us? He's still standing in a gap for us? Actually, he's the bridge. He's the bridge in that gap that separates us from a holy God. Thank you, Jesus. We're cut off. We're completely cut off from having access to a holy God without Jesus. But that blood-soaked cross of Christ became that life-saving bridge, that life-giving bridge. That spanned the gap between us and God. So Jesus is still figuratively standing in the gap for us. We know he is seated at the right hand of our Heavenly Father, and, and the Word tells us that we're seated with him in heavenly places. We're here, but we're also there. Isn't that wild? But that's the truth. But he's still standing in the gap for us. He's still interceding for you and for me. Look what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 34. He asks a question. He says, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, and he says, more than that, who was raised to life. He's at the right hand of God and is also, what? Is also interceding for us. He's interceding for who? Us. For you and for me. He's interceding for you, Chris. And for you, Stephen. For you, Lewis. For you, Tierra. He's interceding for you, Bonnie, and you, Jane, and, and you, Amanda. He's interceding for me. He's interceding for all of us. Jesus Christ is seated in heaven praying for us. That, that should blow our minds. Jesus Christ is interceding for us right now. Right now, this Sunday morning. And if that verse isn't enough to convince you, look, look what the writer of Hebrews tells us about Jesus in Hebrews 7, verse 25. He says, therefore he, meaning Jesus, therefore he is able to save completely. Nothing else necessary. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because, don't miss this, because he always lives to intercede for them. He always lives to do what? To intercede for them. Who's them? Them who are saved. Them who come to God through Christ. That's who them are. And if you're saved, you're them too. Jesus always lives to intercede for you. If you're not saved, that's bad news. If you're not saved, you need to get saved so you don't miss out on this. If you're not saved, my question is, what's holding you back? Seriously, we're talking about your eternity don't play around with your eternity. If you're not sure about that, please talk to me before you leave here, okay? I didn't get saved till I was 33. I've told you that. I don't recommend you wait that long. But I was so turned off by, by what I saw in the lives of some so-called born-again believers. You know, I'm, I'm from New Jersey, so when somebody said he's lost, I thought we got lost in the woods or something. I don't know how to get out of the woods. No, I mean lost. I mean doesn't know Jesus. That was all new to me. But what I saw in the behavior and attitude and words of some so-called born-again believers just turned me off. I wanted nothing to do with them. I didn't want to be part of that club. Besides, they couldn't agree on anything. I thought, you guys are in the same club and you can't agree. Why, why would I want to be part of that? So that kept me away from Jesus for a long time. But don't make that mistake that I made. 
Don't let the shortcomings or the imperfections of other Christians keep you from having a personal, loving relationship with Jesus. He's already done all the dirty work. He's already done all the heavy lifting. He willingly laid down his life for ours. He died this excruciating, painfully brutal death so we could have eternal life with him. Jesus provided the only way for us to get to the Father in heaven. And those are his words. I didn't write this stuff. Don't believe that nonsense about there's many, many roads that lead to heaven. There's one. There's one. It's Jesus, okay? It's only Jesus. And I've said this before too. Well, that's a narrow-minded opinion. I said it's not an opinion. It's a fact. And it is narrow-minded. Truth is narrow-minded, right? One plus one equals two. It's not 1.999. It's not 2.001. It's two. Jesus is the only way. He's that narrow gate. He's that narrow road that leads to eternal life. He said that, not me. And he's praying for us. He's interceding for you. He's interceding for me right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Just like that story about Abraham tossing the guy out of his tent and, and, and the Lord saying, I've been, I've been dealing with him for 65 years Maybe he's been dealing with some of us a long time, too. He's so patient and loving. Like I said, his heart is that none would perish, right? Jesus is able to save completely those who come to him through him because he always, always, always lives to intercede for them. And I sure hope you're one of them because if you're not, the good news is you can become one of them before you leave here in a few minutes. All right? Well, I hope... I hope this word encouraged somebody today, and I hope that we will all be more sensitive to the opportunities that God will give us to stand in the gap for others, wherever we may be. Be sensitive to that, to intercede for others the way Christ intercedes for us. I've said this before once. I know it's in Walmart in the checkout, and I really felt a burden to pray for the cashier. I thought, ah, there's people behind me and everything. So I kind of blew it off, and I went out to the car. And I get in my car, and, and the feeling came back strong. It's like, go back and ask that girl if you can pray for her. And being the uh, mature, spiritually sensitive person I was, I blew it off again. <laughs> and I started driving out of the parking lot. I got to where the gas station was, and it came back strong. Go back and ask that girl if you can pray for her. Turn around, park, go back in, go up to her, and I'm waiting she gets done with the person uh, she was waiting on, and she turns around and says, did you forget something? I said, yeah, I actually did. I did forget something. I, I feel I am supposed to ask you if you need prayer for anything. And she blew me off. She says, no, I'm fine, and turned to the next customer. I went, hmm, okay. But anyway, I went back and asked. And, and it could have just been that the fact that I asked triggered something in her, in her mind. Who knows? But let's not miss those opportunities. I miss so many of those opportunities. I don't want to keep missing them. And I hope you don't want to miss them too. Uh, for instance, if you're going out to eat for lunch when you leave here, ask your server if there's anything you can pray about for them. Sometimes that puts them on the spot. The worst I can say is, no, I'm fine. Um, but it could be nine times out of ten there is something or someone they want prayer for. And if you do that, remember, leave a good tip, okay? <laughs> you know, if we're, if we're going to pray for our meals in public... Let's be good tippers. We should be the most generous people on this planet. All right. That's all I got. Let's stand for a closing prayer. 
Come back next week. Bring someone with you. Invite somebody that may be looking for a place to connect. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. And let's keep waiting because God knows what he's doing. Lord, thank you for the truth in your word. Thank you that all your ways are good, whether we understand them or not. In this whole idea of intercessory prayer, we do more of that than we realize when we're praying for someone else, someone else's need, no matter what it is, Lord. But give us a greater sensitivity of that. Let us uh, not knock people over to pray for them, but, let us, but let's, let's be aware that when we go in a place, okay, Lord, show me someone. Show me somebody. Instead of just being so wrapped up in our own schedule, and sometimes we are pressed for time. Sometimes we pass right by the guy with the cardboard sign. Sometimes maybe we can hand him a dollar and say a prayer for him. But, Lord, we just pray you would give us a greater sensitivity of your awareness, of your presence here today. Uh, whenever we come together, wherever we are, we know you're there. And I just pray blessings and peace over our, our family here. For everyone that normally would be here that wasn't able to make it today, and, and for those that are here, Lord, just uh, give us a greater desire to stand in the gap for others, that you can count on us to stand in the gap. We don't want to be said, you look and you search, but you couldn't find anyone. Uh, count us in. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody needs prayer for anything, wants me to pray for them, I'll be up here for a while. You can pray where you are. You can... You got to go. God bless you. Like I said, hope to see you again next week. Amen.